Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Slice Up Your Life. I'm your host, Rach Bedell, and I just kept thinking, in a normal time, this is the best time for seniors. You're ending school, you have graduation parties, and a full summer with all your friends, getting ready for the next thing. However, none of that is happening, but I was able to catch up with a high schooler I know, Jordan Avery, about all of this and a lot more. And I just keep saying I want to work more with high school students. Um, I'm just truly amazed with them. And yeah, I just am intrigued by everything that they're going through all the time. But Jordan is no exception. She is a senior in high school in the North Burbs of Illinois and really just stands strong in her faith and her passion for advocacy. We also got to talk about her being adopted, um, the effects of social media, and just standing up for her heritage of being a Native American, which is pretty cool. So I was really inspired by her willingness to speak on things that she believes in, and I hope y'all are too. So please enjoy this conversation with Jordan Avery. Are you just trapped at home or like, how are you doing? <laughs> I've been doing good. I've been trying to find ways to fill my time and be a little more productive. So at first it was kind of a learning curve and just spending all day on TikTok as every high schooler does. But <laughs> as I've been getting through it, I've been like redoing my room, getting into some workouts. Uh, my family and I have been working with an organization um, in Rogers Park called C247. It's mm -hmm. actually an organization that Willow partners with. So um, we go down there a bunch and help them restock. They're kind of doing a store for their like residents and such. So we've been helping uh, bring food down there, organize, distribute it. So um, that's what's been going on recently. But before that, I was just in bed all day on TikTok. <laughs> I know. It was like that honeymoon stage where you're like, I'm on vacation. Like, I get all this time alone. And then it yeah. was like, okay, I can't do this 24-7. I will go insane. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, and are all of y'all's classes online then? Yeah, so most of them are online, and our teachers have reacted very differently. Some of them are like, you have all this time. We're going to pile on the work. Um, and then there's other teachers that are like, this sucks for all of you. Just answer, like, this one question a day, and you're fine. <laughs> Just, like, keep your brain active. Yeah. How will they even do exams? So right now, there's actually a petition going around to cancel final exams. A lot of our surrounding districts have done so just because it's very difficult to actually regulate what an exam like looks like because mm -hmm. there's not like an existing software we use one software for some classes but it has to be like installed on your computers not everyone has it so I think that well we're all hoping that final exams just get canceled and we get left with our standing grades but if they were to do it they haven't really told us anything about what that would even look like well, because, too, for you guys, it's kind of like, do we even really need finals? Like, I already got into college. I already right. know where I'm going. What really is the... I mean, that's how senior is anyways, and then you're not having to go to class. I can't imagine having to do homework and stuff your last little stretch of school. Yeah, seriously. And for seniors, like, there's always kind of been a rule that there is no second semester senior finals if you have a certain grade in the class if you have certain like attendance uh, requirements met but there are some classes that just decide that they're going to give seniors finals so those are just kind of the classes that we're waiting to hear back from um, I know for like AP classes like I'm taking just one AP psychology so I have a feeling that she's definitely going to make us take a final yeah, just because that's who she is so. absolutely yeah um and how has it been like 
because you can't we're hoping that we're all going to get summer in Chicago Mm. but how has it been just with like not being able to see friends and I remember my senior year which is forever ago but like (laughs) I was just talking about it with my parents because I had I took AP classes and so I would be done with school at like middle of the day and then you would just go like putz around town you know do nothing kind of but you would just hang out with your friends at their houses and do all this stuff and now y'all can't do that yeah it's been really weird and it's definitely been an adjustment like you see a lot of people on social media still hanging out with their friends they have absolutely no regards for whatever social distancing Mm -hmm. um, mandates that are put in place and then there's the opposite side of the spectrum of people who just don't leave their houses because they're really afraid of it. But um, me and my friends have been able to find kind of a middle ground between those two things. Um, My best friend Taylor and I will, she'll come over and like sit like 20 feet away from me, like in my lawn and we'll just like talk for hours and like play music and stuff. So we found like some ways to deal with it. Um, There's been a lot of just random like Zoom calls, like people will just randomly start a Zoom call and then they'll post the link on social media. And all of a sudden there's like 30 random kids who've like really never spoken before just hanging out on Zoom. So it's been interesting to see the ways that people have adapted, but um, it's not been too bad. It's kind of what Taylor had said to me. She was like, this is what I've always wanted to not have to go to school, just to be able to sit around my house all day. And now that it's happening, it's just not at all what I expected it to be like. So, <laughs> Yeah, I know. We all of us are like, we just want to work from home. And now that we're working from home for like seven weeks, we're like, did we really, is this really what we want? <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Um, and two, okay, so when will you be... Well, for starters, I feel like this is kind of prepping all of y'all for college because it's mm-hmm. a matter of like managing your time and figuring out what to do with like open space that you don't necessarily always have. But when are you leaving for school? So I will be leaving, I believe it's the second week of August. Okay. So I'm going to a school called uh, UNCW, the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. And, um, so me and Taylor are going there together and my family, I know, yeah, I'm so excited. Um, so my family and I go to this place called Ocean Isle Beach. It's in North Carolina. Uh, we go there every single summer. And what's really cool about this year is Taylor came with us last year and she'll be coming with us again. We're going to be there for the first week of August and then we're going to come home. And then like immediately after, like two days after, we get to go back to North Carolina and move into our dorms. So we really are going to get like a week to just like celebrate with our family, like be there together and then get to go right back about 30 minutes away from Ocean Isle to move into college. So it's going to be awesome. Will you guys room together? Yeah. So initially we weren't going to room together. Um, we kind of let everyone tell us that everyone's like don't do it like you're gonna hate each other like you're not you're not gonna like each other by the end of the semester but me and Taylor just have like a special bond that's more of like a sister bond Mm -hmm. and we were looking for other roommates nothing was panning out we've been through multiple conversations with people and we were honestly just like really praying about it and we're like we feel like we're supposed to be rooming together so that kind of took a big weight off of our shoulders so I'm really excited to be rooming with her that's gonna be so fun and I can tell you I I didn't live with my freshman year with one of my best friends well we were really good friends we kind of drifted a little bit but my junior year I lived with one of my best friends and it was great you I mean you're gonna have the times where 
they drive you absolutely insane, but yeah. any roommate is. And the best part is you can be like, hey, you're killing me right now. Go away. Like with your best friend, you can have those conversations. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That'll be awesome. Do you know her from school, from high school? Or is it from Willow? Or does she go to Willow? So she, we both kind of go to Willow now a little bit. Um, but we actually met last year in a physics class that we had. And this class was just really the weirdest class I've ever been a part of. But because our teacher was kind of so like absent, um, we all like really bonded as a class just over this mutual struggle of trying to figure out how to do physics without a teacher who's actually teaching us. Yeah. So this entire class became really close. She was in this class. And she started driving me home from school every single day because we live like a couple streets apart. And I was like, my parents were picking me up or I was getting rides home. And so we started this routine. We were just kind of those in school friends, but just became really close because of it. And then this summer, um, I, my parents were like, who do you want to take to North Carolina? So I started asking all the people I was closest to. They're like, I can't, I can't, I can't. So finally I was like, I guess I'll ask Taylor. I mean, I don't really know her that well, but I I might as well ask. I don't want to go alone. So I asked her. Surprisingly, she said yes. And that week just brought us like closer than like we could ever imagine. Like we say that week was like the moment we became best friends. And we have literally been inseparable ever since. That's awesome. And it is so true, really, like in any form of a relationship, like dating or like friendships, if you go on a vacation with them, you can truly tell like is this going to be long-term or not? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And it was just funny because like we weren't that close. Like she even like tells me now, she's like, it's really weird that you invited me. I'm like, stop. (laughs) I know. I know. But like, aren't you so glad I did? She's like, yeah, that's fair. (laughs) This needed to happen, obviously. So many good things are coming from it. Um, Okay, well, you kind of touched on it, but talk, I want you to talk a little bit about just, well, this is going to be multi-pronged question, but one about like transitioning to college and kind of faith journey throughout that. Cause I know when I went into college, I didn't have anything to do with church or faith or religion. Um, so it was not, it was like a mute point for me, but I'm intrigued on kind of just the feelings of going there. Cause I know, I don't know what, where you're at now, but I know like you were super involved with Willow and you, um, I would have like community there. And so then Mm -hmm. just going to a place that you don't necessarily know anyone other than Taylor and like finding a whole new community. Yeah, definitely. I would say, especially now, like my faith has just continued to be like really important to me. Like I wouldn't have considered that to be the case throughout my first few years of high school, but even growing up, I went to Christian Heritage Academy and that's where um, Willow Creek North Shore actually had church for like the first probably 10 more year, 10 or more so years of my life oh. and so I had this really like unique experience of like going to a Christian private school and then also having the staff of Willow always be in that same building so I would literally be walking in the halls like alongside the pastors the people that like I consider myself really close to so I've always had like a really intimate relationship with like the church, like really grew up in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I consider like some of the staff at Willow still to be like some of my closest mentors and friends. Um, me and Taylor have really gotten the chance to like grow in our faith together. So she 
um, was an atheist before we became friends, she likes to joke that she would literally walk around school and be like, I'm an atheist, I'm an atheist. Like, she just thought it was hilarious. And, like, I was like, well, I guess my best friend is an atheist, and that's just how it's going to go. Um, and then one day we were just sitting on my bed. She asked me about God. I got the chance to share my story, my walk with her. Um, and throughout the next couple of months, she just got closer to God. She decided to get baptized. Um, and ever since then, we've gotten the chance to really grow alongside each other. So when we were considering college, thinking about what we wanted to do, um, part of our college choices were based on what kind of church community was already existing there. Um, and there's a really great organization uh, that's a part of UNCW. It's called Overflow, I want to say, and it's a non-denominational Christian organization, which is surprisingly hard to find in the South, something that is not denominational. So for us, that was kind of like a relief to know that when we go there, there is an existing uh, not only church, but also college ministry and like a group of um, kids who are passionate about the same thing, growing in their faith together. So as much as college is going to be like a chance for us to, you know, be independent, be making our own decisions, like it's really important to us that we stay involved with the community. For me, it's really important that I get to continue worship leading because I believe that that's like a gift that God has given me and that I need to really be utilizing that for the kingdom, be utilizing that too. Um, just be able to lead worship because that's what I love doing. And I don't think that just because I'm going to college, I know that this is like a big, like reckless time for a lot of people, but I really want to make sure that, um, that's my foundation and it really like comforts me and makes me feel good to know that I'm going and rooming with someone who has those same goals and values that I do. Oh, for sure. I think it helps a lot too, to like, like you said, to have her so that you guys can kind of hold each other accountable. Cause I mean, like I said, I didn't have anything going into college, and I so I can't speak to how I would waver on things, but I know just moving from Iowa City to Chicago and, like, looking for a new church, I was so frantic and being like, I need to find something, and thankfully I found something that I love, but, mm-hmm. like, fi- without having that community and kind of just wandering around aimlessly, it's so easy to just drop off, um, and I know it's something that, like, you guys, I know one of the things for y'all is, like, youth is um, a faith that lasts and so I think just the more that you can press into things like that um and getting involved with worship would be super super cool yeah definitely um did have so I know you said you went went to grade school like at a um Christian school but did your family were they always or like your parents always like very active in the church in general or was it not really until you started going to school there So I definitely grew up in what I would call a Christian household. It was definitely my mom, who was very, very, uh, not necessarily religious, but she was definitely very faithful, and she was very in tune to, like, the calling that she felt that God had placed on her life, which was to raise her kids with Christian values and morals. Um, My dad had never been a Christian. Um, He just wasn't interested in the faith. He's a very facts-based person, so it was hard for him to fully embrace something that he felt like wasn't tangible to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of my mom, my entire life would always uh, pray with me at night. She would sing songs over me. She wanted me to enroll in Christian Heritage Academy and all these things. It was kind of her always catalyzing these things. 
And then when I was, I would say, in middle school, so probably around sixth grade or so, um, my dad watched a movie. I can't remember what it is called. It's based on a book, but it's on Netflix. And he watched a <laughs> a movie about, uh, it's called The Case for Christ. Okay. And that kind of provided like more logic and facts, which for me has never been the basis for my faith, but for him being able to really see the trail of evidence that leads toward Christ really helped him to be able to couple that with the emotional pull that he felt toward it and the actual faith-based piece of it. So he became a Christian and when I was around in middle school, so sixth grade or so, and my dad and I actually got baptized together, which was really cute. Um, but I would say that I didn't really... I was involved in the faith, but I don't think that it really became my own until I kind of faced my own storms, faced the problems in my life head on. And it became more of a relationship for me like last year than it ever was before. Um, But I think having my mom in the house who was always, always encouraging me to be in faith-based community, who is always trying to get me to be involved in impact and church um, all of those little pieces definitely catalyzed my own journey into faith. That's awesome. Okay, so I'm getting into this earlier than I thought I would. How old were you when you were adopted? Were you a little baby? I was. So I was only five days old when I was adopted. Oh. So it was a planned adoption from the start. Um, my parents had had two children. So they had my older brother, Trey who's 25 now, and then my older sister, Riley. Um, And they really wanted a third kid, and they started having some problems, fertility issues. And my mom, like, says that she was just praying all the time. She was like, I just want another baby. I just want another baby. Um, And they started looking into adoption agencies. And she said that they had someone walking with them through this process, and they actually told her, while she was filling out the paperwork to not even bother checking the box for wanting a Native American baby because so like it's so unheard of for a child to be adopted off a Native American reservation just because of the culture um, that's established there. They're very, very protective of keeping their own close to them regardless of prior financial situations, how well that child would be supported. It's just very common that if you're born a Native American, you stay on that reservation. You don't leave. Because they don't because they don't want to like give you up. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. That's just like a huge part of that culture. So my mom didn't even check that box. And then she said that a few months later she just got into contact with my birth mother, um, who started telling her about uh the sh- financial struggles that she knew that she would face, um, having another child and trying to raise them on the reservation and uh so because of that my parents did uh closed adoption and they actually had to go back and fix their paperwork which was quite an issue (laughs) but um yeah so I ended up in the family that I'm in today off a Native American reservation so it's definitely weird just because like I said it's so unheard of so I'm really a living proof of a identity crisis but (laughs) it's definitely been a blessing because um native americans don't really embrace christianity my birth mother actually has which is 
incredible, praise God, but being able to be raised in a faith that I identify with like so well and I just believe in so wholeheartedly and has given me purpose, uh, motivation to get up every day to know exactly um, where I'm meant to be and what my calling is on my life. Um, And I know that without that process, I wouldn't even be anywhere close to where I am today. Yeah. Where, like, where were you born? Where were you born? (laughs) I was born on Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. So it's one of the largest Native American reservations in America. And it's also one of the poorest counties in the world. Uh, They don't operate under federal law, I want to say. They have their own set of laws and regulations. And um, so it's kind of just a little world within a world. So... Uh, yeah, a lot of people don't know about Native American reservations. Uh, growing up, I used to tell people that I was Native American, and they would be like, oh, those still exist? <laughs> I would be like, yeah, yeah, yep, that's me. Yeah, so it's interesting to see how people um, perceive Native Americans, and not only that, uh, how they don't perceive them. Yeah. Does your mom still live there? Or your birth yeah. mom, sorry. Yeah, so my birth mom lives there alongside. I believe she has five other children beside me. We all do have different fathers, but they all still live together. I'm friends with all of them on Facebook, so I get to see um, all the updates and such. Uh, when I was 13, I decided that I was going to write my birth mom a letter um, just because 13-year-old me was like, I'm a teenager now. Like, I can do this. Um <laughs> So I like sat down to write like a one page letter just to be like, here's what's happened in my life. Um, like, I hope I get to meet you one day and just end up writing like 12 pages because you're really writing to someone who um, hasn't been there your entire life. So like trying to catch her up on every single thing, like mm-hmm. big moment in my life uh, took up a lot more pages than I anticipated. But it was like a really freeing moment for me to uh be able to kind of let go of all these moments that I kind of felt like she'd missed. Um, and my mom got a Facebook message from her. Her name is Darla. And she said that uh, she's basically illiterate. There's not much education on the reservation. But I got to have a phone call with her and a bunch of my siblings when I was 13. Um, just get to hear a little bit about what the family's been up to what life on the reservation is like. Uh, so that was a really cool experience. And this summer, actually, I'm going to go out to South Dakota and get to meet them for the first time. Oh, my gosh, that's going to be so cool. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. Are you nervous? <laughs> I'm terrified. I think that Taylor is actually going to come with me because we need a little emotional support there. For sure. But um, I have talked to a good amount of my siblings, especially on Facebook. Um, it's just been really cool to see that despite like all my fears about like them not seeing me as native, them not seeing me as being related to them, they've just shown me over and over again, like whether it be very explicitly or subtly that like they still consider me to be like a part of their life, a part of their stories. And mm-hmm. they've updated me on what's going on in the reservation. Um, one of my, my youngest brother, his name is Thomas. He, sent me a dm one day and was just like hey sis and it was just really cute so yeah so i've gotten to talk to quite a few of them which has been nice and it makes me excited to get to meet them in real life that's so cool i knew like you 
speak very openly on like social media of like advocacy work for like that and adoption and like anti-abortion and things like that too. When did you get the confidence, I guess, to speak out about the things that you're, you are, feel strongly for? I think definitely. So I switched to a public school in eighth grade. I decided to go to the local middle school rather than Christian Heritage, just because I was having some mental health issues. It's a really small school, so it was hard not to feel um, trapped. And I'd been there my entire life. So I felt like I was ready to, for lack of better words, to go out into the real world and get to break out of that bubble. Um, And just to share a piece of my story with those people and then to have it just be met with a kind of ignorance that I don't blame them for. I think it's absolutely cultural, just that we're not educated on topics that we're not living through. So I think for a lot of people, just to not even know that Native Americans exist, and even if they do, just um, I always got asked questions like, do you guys still live in teepees? Do you still hunt buffaloes? Like, just little things like that, um, just kind of like hit me in ways that I didn't really expect because growing up, you know, you don't feel fully Native American because you're definitely not living on the reservation, but you mm-hmm. also don't feel like you fit in with, uh, like, white culture because you know that you're from a reservation. Um, so just to kind of have that identity crisis, and I think one day it was just kind of having to accept and embrace that I don't really think that I'm fully either, but that's okay. Um, and thinking about that tiny statistic, that little tiny chance that enabled me to get a chance at a life that's more um, fulfilling, that gives me more opportunity to be who I want to be, really inspired me to use uh, that kind of privilege and that kind of platform to speak out and advocate for issues that people living on the reservation can't advocate for because they don't have um, the type of privilege, they don't have the type of money um, or the voice to be able to advocate for these things. They're they're trapped. They're living in a vicious cycle of just inherent bias and oppression. So just kind of understanding that I am privileged. I'm absolutely in a place of privilege. And uh, there's just that choice, whether you're going to use it for good, whether you're going to use it to benefit people, or if you're just going to stay silent about it and be a lucky statistic. And I just decided that that wasn't going to be me. And that if I could use my voice for anything, that I wanted it to be for good, for the good of um, my family and my people. That's so good. How do you, um, cause I know I get this, but I just don't know in y'all's generation, you've only grown up with social media. Like you've always had it. Um, and so there's a lot more people that see what you're posting out there. And I think a lot more people that are trigger happy to maybe send a response. You know, there's a little bit less of a of a, a wall there to stop something. Um, mm-hmm. Have you received any, I don't know if backlash is the right word, but any backlash or anything harshly with anything that you've posted? And if so, how do you deal with that? Yeah, so I like definitely consider myself a Republican. So I'm friends with this political commentator. He's on Instagram and he has a really big platform. And we just used to identify with a lot of the same issues. We used to really relate, um, kind of became friends through social media. And I remember uh, last Indigenous People's Day, or so I like to call it, 
or Columbus Day, as most people probably know it as, mm-hmm. uh, I posted something about it. I posted a petition for our district to recognize it as Indigenous People's Day rather than Columbus Day because I believe he was a rapist and murderer and the colonization was completely uh, unwarranted. He gets too much credit for something that he didn't even discover. And I posted something about it and just the response that I got from him was just so ignorant. Um, For him to be like, I support Columbus through and through. Like, I love you, I respect you, but I just this is so wrong. Like I will continue to recognize this day for the rest of my life. Like I support him. And I think that just speaks so much to how comfortable we get with traditions and things that we identify with in society. Um, People want to talk about white privilege. And I just, I don't think that just means the color of your skin. I think that means uh, being in a place where the entire society is built around what is beneficial toward you the entire society is built on um yeah it just was beneficial and I think for not only him but just for other people to not recognize uh the true genocide that the founding the colonization was um and just the appropriation and modern day segregation that is Native American reservations for us to not uh care enough to even recognize them for one day out of the year and choose to recognize someone um who murdered so many, who uh, pushed his own values on a group of people who are already existing, who had their own cultures and traditions. Um, There was just so much ignorance there. And that's ignorance that I've seen so many times in my DMs of people be like, why don't, why don't you like Columbus? And that just seems like such, such a, like, it just doesn't seem like a warranted question. It's like, really? Have you done the research? Like even history books, it's like, inherently biased towards a culture of white people but it makes me proud at the same time because um as much as I've struggled throughout high school and haven't really um loved every second of it I think that uh social media has enabled us to do a better job of educating ourselves on big issues Mm -hmm. because you're certainly not hearing about Native Americans in the newspapers you're not hearing about them on magazines but at the same time, social media has enabled every single person, regardless of whether they're living in the culture that we're in or if they're on Native American reservations. Anyone who has a smartphone, anyone who has access to the internet can um, be their own voice and get to educate people on these topics. And I think that with social media, with all these different opinions, as much as it doesn't seem like it, people are just more willing to listen. And so to be able to if all it takes is like a second of bravery for me to post something that might seem controversial in my story, it it's not that big of a deal. And I can do that. And I don't really care about the backlash that I get from people mm-hmm. because regardless of whether we want to believe it or not, anyone who's living here, especially like in the North Shore, if you have a house, if you have adequate clothing and food, you're privileged. You're mm-hmm. sitting in a place of privilege. So to be able to use that to maybe post something on my story and I can rationalize that when I get this kind of backlash, whatever hate, whatever it might be, it just doesn't matter. It's a second where I can uh, have a conversation with someone if they're willing to listen or not um, and just maybe spark a new thought in them that they hadn't thought of before. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit more about like social media in y'all's generation. Cause I think too, like you make a really good point of, you know, it, 
it opens up the platforms for a lot of people outside of what like our parents grew up with, which was purely newspaper and the news and what is being chosen for us to be shown. Whereas now we can easily go out um, and find something else. But I, I can't fathom going through high school and having all of the platforms of social media. I feel like it would have eaten me alive. Granted, my brain wasn't screwed on as tightly as yours, like as well as yours is. <laughs> but I, I just feel like I don't know. Talk to me a little bit of just about like having these platforms, like obviously like TikTok and Instagram and all this stuff, where you're constantly being over inundated. Like, do you ever feel like it's too much or like all the um, comparisons and all of that stuff that comes with the like more negative side of social media, I guess. Yeah. It's actually really funny you say that because just a few nights ago, I like went to, I posted a cover on social media. I think you saw it. You commented on oh, it. Dermot Kennedy. Uh, Dermot Kennedy. So good. That could be like a whole another podcast. I could talk <laughs> about him for hours. Girl, you and I could talk about Duke basketball and Dermot Kennedy for like, <laughs> we could just cover the episodes on that. <laughs> Honestly. But I, so I've been really interested in music my whole life. And I think that at the beginning of high school, especially like I was posting cover after cover. I did not care what people thought. I was like, I love this song. I'm going to sing it. Um, but you start to internalize the responses on social media because they really do imitate real life, but it's just a harsher reality because people sit behind the screen and there are no immediate repercussions for what they say, how they respond. Um, so I have a business profile on Instagram, which means I can see how many people save my videos and how many people send them to someone else. And so I posted that video, I was feeling good about it, and then I go to look at like the insights and like four people had saved it and like eight people had sent it to someone else. And immediately my brain just goes to this place. People are making fun of me. People are sending it to other people and just like completely having a laugh at like my abilities. People don't like this, whatever. And I just deleted it. And I called Taylor. I'm like, I'm going to cry. This is terrible. People hate me. And so what I think is so interesting about social media is even if it's not explicit hate even if it's not something that people are actually coming for you we're so quick to think that because of like this cancel culture that we've created Mm -hmm. where if we don't like something we feel that we are immediately entitled to take that person down because if we don't agree with it or if they made a mistake but at the same time that's not how the real world operates because we know that on a day-to-day basis we see people make mistakes all the time And when people make mistakes, we don't look at them, we don't point at them and say, you're canceled, you're done, whatever. That's why we have the three strikes and you're out rule. We're taught that over and over and over. But at the same time, on social media, it's so much easier to watch someone make a mistake and say, you're done, I'm not paying attention to you anymore. And even though that's different than maybe people not liking my singing video, I think it just speaks volumes to kind of the toxic side of social media. Mm -hmm which um, I fully believe, like as a Christian, like there are repercussions to the evil that we've allowed to enter into this world because social media on uh, the surface level, it's not bad at all. It connects us. It allows us to uh, find people that we relate to. I've gotten to talk to other uh, people who are my age who are adopted off Native American reservations, which has been insane. Absolutely. It's been amazing to get to relate to people on a level that I can't relate to anyone in my town or even my maybe my state about but 
um, at the same time, there's always going to be that side of it that's just damaging. I think uh, it absolutely relates and translates to the body image, the self-esteem issues that our generation faces because there is this golden standard of what you're supposed to look like, uh, how you're supposed to act, what values you're supposed to stand for. And if you're not meeting all of those criteria, then you're seen as lesser than. And I, it's contributed to social groups, to bullying, um, within grades, between grades. And uh, actually, so with this quarantine, there's been a number of accounts that have popped up on social media. One is called South Confessions. So I go to Columbia South and oh, no. it's basically a page where people can anonymously confess things and then it'll be posted and what started as confessions being like I don't know just really stupid like I have things. a crush on someone or absolutely yeah. has turned into the most toxic page I've ever seen in my life like it like almost makes me laugh to see how terrible it is it'll just be like this person and then just the rudest things you can ever imagine being said about a person and that's just another way that people are just hiding behind a screen they think they really have the ability to say whatever they want without feeling any repercussions and uh it's kind of just a culmination of all this internalization of what social media is and what it stands for um but there's also been a page made that's called uh glenbrook south compliments and it's really cute and precious (laughs) yeah so there's kind of those two sides um, of what social media can be used for and what it is used for but I think it's not really a win for anyone like you get instant validation gratification from some people but it never really fills that hole that everyone has it never really fills what you're looking for because I only God can do that like Mm -hmm. truly truly I believe that um that social media uh, it's just a really temporary way of filling that void that we all have within us because we're all searching for unconditional love, someone that will love us no matter what, someone that sees our mistakes and is willing to look past them and give us grace for them. And we're not going to find that on social media. We've created out, it out to be exactly um, what we're looking for, and that's God, but it's not God. It's, uh, it's a really bad copy of what we're hoping to find through that. Mm-hmm. How does that relay into more of like a youth group, more like setting? Because I know like obviously everyone has similar pairs of glasses on, but it's still an age um, and not even an age. We, I feel uh, this happens in like my community just because we're all relatively young still where there's still like the clicks and things like that within a community that's supposed to just be all welcoming, you know, like, yeah. How does that type of stuff fall into like a church community? Cause I, I am more so asking cause I have no idea cause I didn't grow up. In yeah. That. So it's definitely alive and thriving, even in youth groups. Like we know that youth groups uh, have different like values and morals. Like they're all oriented around the same belief that, uh, God is what we're searching for, that we should have no other gods except for him. But at the same time, we, as a culture, I've just really bought into this idea of social media. And um, for me, so I grew up going to Impact, being involved in youth group. Um, and just for me, I struggled to see 
a huge difference in a lot of youth groups than I was seeing in the world. And I always say that I just like grew up a little too fast. Like I think having those kind of like identity issues and like really searching and like being involved in the music industry. Like I just think that I learned a lot really fast and like kind of, I think through God, like kind of had my eyes open to see like what is the value, what is of worth in this world. And for me, um, I just didn't feel like youth group was really a place for me because I felt like everyone is still searching. Everyone is on their journey and everyone gets to different places in their journey at different times. Um, and I think uh, regardless of where you are, that's okay. And there's a community for everyone. But having this idea of like one size fits all, like a youth group for every single high school student, um, it's just, it's never going to work. It's never going to fulfill the needs of everyone. And it's going to work for some people. And that's great. I'm in no means bashing youth groups or impact because I know how meaningful that was to me, especially through middle school and even the first years of high school. But for me, like, once I got through junior year, I like struggled with some really, really deep depression and anxiety issues and kind of living through that and getting to the other side of it. I just knew that I needed a community of just older people who'd seen the world through so many different lenses and could really corroborate and build off of my own experiences and um, really lead me to Christ and biblical based truths and like different kind of messages. So for me, once I got to junior year, I uh, kind of ended up leaving Impact a little bit and just kind of stepping away and still maintained a lot of the friendships that I had with people there and relationships with the leaders. But for me, that just wasn't the place for me anymore because I needed to step away from this social media oriented generation because that's really what we live for like every experience needs to be documented on social media like pictures or didn't happen like that's just the kind of values and ideals that we live by now so for me that looks like stepping away from youth group um, and actually switching churches completely I got an ultimatum from someone at Willow actually after I left Impact saying if you don't go to Impact you can't be a worship leader here anymore and um so that's actually why I ended up leaving Willow because I didn't feel like seen in that moment, like at all. Like it felt um, just a little bit ignorant for them to assume that I wasn't going because I didn't want to be close to God. But the truth was that I was looking for a community of uh, people who had just really been through the ringer, who'd built up their faith through obstacles, who'd built their foundation on solid ground and had lived to see these storms hit them and have uh, lived through that by the grace of God. So um, I think that our youth groups probably need to do a little bit of a better job at just really making sure that God is at the center. Because as much as we all want to be cool, we want to cater to the kids who are living through this, uh, you really want to be anti-cultural. You really want to make sure that... Um, Jesus was the OG, like, anti-establishment. Like, he was the <laughs> one who went against the religious leaders. He was the one who uh, reformed the culture and for his will, for his name. And I think that we need to do a better job of doing that and not just trying to fit in or be what the culture says. And if youth group doesn't work for you, like, if there's any kids listening, it's not where you have to be. 
you can find another community of believers. Uh, for me, that looks like I like you went to a youth group with all uh, middle-aged people, and I was the only 18-year-old girl there. <laughs> and that was that was my community. That was what worked for me. And I think we just have to remember that uh, what works for you isn't going to work for the person next to you. Yeah, for sure. And are you involved in worship team at the new church that you're at? Yeah, so I'm attending Park Community Church right now, and I also am kind of between Christ Church. Uh, and at both of these places, I get the opportunity to worship lead for their services. And uh, they're both, well, Christ Church is a little bit more uh, traditional than Willow. So just to go through that transition has been really interesting because growing up in a really modern non-denominational church willow is like a full i mean it's awesome but it's huge and like a full concert it is it is like a concert i see that all the time it's so cool in that sense but um what i've found that uh christ church christ church especially is just this really really authentic culture of people who uh are really striving to understand what it means to be in the world, but not be of it. Mm -hmm. And that's something that is really important to me. And so to kind of switch genres of churches, so I'll say, I think has been really transformational to me. And I think that it's prepared me for college in ways that I never would have expected because learning to be in the world and not of it means like upholding the values of, uh, not necessarily like ceremonial Old Testament law, but of like the moral law and like what God wants for our lives. And so um, I love Willow. Willow will always have a special place in my heart. But I think that being able to lead at Christ Church has given me a new perspective on what it means uh, to be a Christian in the 21st century and to uh, make sure that our foundation is Christ because like the two, the parable of the two builders who one builds his house on solid ground, one builds his house on the sand. And when the storms come, one of those houses is going to stand and one's going to fall. Um, and so learning what it means to be building my foundation on solid ground, because I know that the obstacles in my life, they're not done yet. They're going to keep coming. Um, and I want to be prepared when those things do happen. And I think that uh, Christ church and like these other experiences and communities that I've gotten to be a part of have really uh, all had a hand in preparing me for those kinds of things that are to come in my life. I'm so proud of you, girl. Thanks. (laughs) I love hearing you speak. I'm like, if only I feel like you're literally a full 10 years younger than me. And I'm like, I need this (laughs) wisdom right now. (laughs) So this is great. When did you start singing? Were you like one of those that your parents have like videos of you when you were like a little toddler walking around singing? So I was definitely not one of those kids who was singing right out of the womb. So all of my three siblings in my family today, they all played basketball and they're all really, really good at basketball. So when I was younger, uh, throughout elementary school, I used to go to training sessions with uh Derek Rose's coach (laughs) and I was part of like really like good basketball teams travel teams like my parents really were like all of our kids are gonna play basketball and they're gonna be good at it okay so is this was your family a huge Duke like who is your Duke person that you got so they're UNC fans oh my gosh so 
Right, right. Really strange that I'm a Duke fan. So I think it kind of started out of spite. Uh, just like, I don't want to be like all of you. Like, I'm not a UNC fan. Um, but I really liked Grayson Allen. Like, no one come for me, but like, I was a huge Grayson Allen fan. <laughs> well, that was literally our bonding moment when we were like, oh my gosh, you like Duke? And we're like, yes. ever since then, we're like, okay, we're connected. Literally, yes, it was. I just love Duke and I found out that one of my biological brothers is like the biggest Duke fan ever oh so it gosh. all made sense yeah like yeah. this is actually like I'm a blue devil by blood sorry I yeah that, it was a big coming of age moment um <laughs> okay gosh. sorry so you no, were you're good. super involved in like basketball stuff yeah and I played throughout uh middle school when I was in seventh grade uh we had made it all the way to like the championship game and I was like the big, so I was always down low. I was always in the paint. And I remember in the first few minutes, we played this team like three times in regular season. And she walks right up to me and she kicked my knee out in seventh grade. She kicked my knee out and I ended up spraining my ankle really bad in like the first like three minutes of this championship game. And we lost and I was like, dang girls played dirty in seventh grade like I was not prepared for this moment at all um but when I ended up transferring to public school and kind of through that I started kind of picking up guitar like my sister had a really old guitar um and just through that started writing music I became friends with Alec Benjamin um and got to write songs with him he invited me always to come to his shows and hang out backstage and I got to learn yeah (laughs) casual just got to learn a little bit more about uh like touring what the industry looked like and when I was I want to say I was a freshman I was probably 15 or so I was driving to North Carolina with my family and I saw a billboard and it said AMTC and that stands for actors models and talent for Christ I didn't know what that was, so I ended up Googling it, and um, it's like this agency, they advertise themselves to be like an agency where if you want to be an actor, a model, or like a singer, you can audition for this agency, you do like six months of training, and then you go to this big showcase where there's all these executives and people who can further your career. And so I begged my parents to take me to this audition. I'm like, I want to sing, I want to play guitar, I know this is what I want to do with my life. So they're like, all right, we'll take it to the audition. So we go to one in Chicago. Um, I sing for them. Like, I get a call back. I go to the call back. And then they drop it on us. Like, it's $5,000. And I'm like, okay, I don't know much about the industry, but I feel like you shouldn't have to pay for this if they're really interested in you. But I'm young. I'm dumb. I'm naive. So I remember, like, begging my parents. I'm like, I will pay you for half of this somehow. Like, please let me do this. So they front the money for me and I start working to pay it back. And I do the six months of training and go to the showcase. I got to meet like two of my best friends through it, which was really good. But I went to the showcase and I remember we had to do a performance and all these executives watched us and then we would get our callbacks the next day. So I do this performance and we've been told over and over, do not talk to any of the executives unless it is during your callback. Unless they approach you first, do not talk to them. Don't bother them. Mm-hmm. So that night, I finished my performance, whatever. It's like 11 o'clock. Me and my mom are in this hotel and we're eating. And 
this guy comes up to me and he's like, uh, I watched you perform and you were really good. Like, I'm really interested in you. And I'm like, who are you? He's like, my name is Jeremy Castro. And I was like, okay. And he was from Sony. So he was like an A&R executive. Uh, and so he pulled me aside. It's like literally midnight. And I'm like, I want to go to bed. And this guy is like talking to me. He's like, I think you could be one of the greats. You could absolutely, you could be a legend. You could be the next Adele. Like just, and you dating me, just like compliments and like all of these like hopes and dreams and all these things that I wanted for my career. And he's like, don't even worry. Like you have a call back with me tomorrow. He's like, I'm not interested in anyone else here except for you. Like I want to help you get big. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like did this actually work? Did I actually beat the system here? Like I'm going to get a record deal. And so I go back the next day. I do the callback with him. He's really sweet. Um, and so he gives me his card. I leave. We start talking for a few weeks. He's talking about this contract. He's going to give me all these things. And then he schedules a meeting with me. He's like, let's do a call at 2 p.m. tomorrow. And so the next day, I'm waiting. Doesn't call. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Doesn't call. He ends up just ghosting me out of nowhere. Just, like, ghost me and, like, crushes all my hopes and dreams um yeah so that was really difficult so I got absolutely nothing out of AMTC but uh like I said I got to be friends with Alec Benjamin and uh got to songwrite for uh a label through him and got a contract because of him uh so now I have the songwriting contract of my dreams and I get to uh be a part of literally the coolest like family of the most talented writers and musicians and just people who are so supportive I think the music industry gets such a bad rep but Mm -hmm. uh once you like really meet the people who are in it these are all just really creative people who are passionate about sharing their experiences so even though I tried to shortcut my way into the industry didn't work (laughs) but I got there anyway and it's that a really cool experience as much as I'm not singing as much these days except for worship leading but uh songwriting is a huge huge part of my story so even though my parents were initially disappointed I was not going to be the next Michael Jordan um <laughs> <laughs> they've really embraced it and they come to all my shows and they're so sweet and I'm a guitarist and yeah so I love it getting to be a part of making music the music industry uh it's been it took a lot of going in with just guts and just hoping and crossing my fingers but I'm glad it's worked itself out in the ways that it has yeah it's awesome I mean and I love hearing you sing I've heard you sing worship and I've I obviously love your song and whenever you do covers and Dermot Kennedy don't delete it do not let people (laughs) talk into your head I know I know okay well the last question I always ask is because the um, show is called slice up your life what is your favorite slice of pizza Oh, I'm so glad you asked. There's, okay, so there's this place, uh, there's one in, I think there's two in Glenview. It's called Vicino's. And if you've never had Vicino's pizza, like, you just really have not lived yet. Like, my parents said that they were moving in and they were really exhausted. And the first place they ever ordered from was this place called Vicino's. And ever since then, we are like insane about ordering vicinos like they give you little coupons every time we probably have thousands of them vicinos is it's like thin crust heaven like i always just do pepperoni like that's just my go-to not into anything fancy 
but it's so good. I had a first date with someone once, and I was like, please, we need to go to Vecino's. And I'm pretty sure he only dated me for my pizza recommendations. But, but hey, at least, like, even if the date sucked, you had you got Vecino's out of it. Exactly. I got my favorite food ever. That's <laughs> always, like, any first date. I'm like, can we grab pizza? Because even if the date sucks, you at least have a good meal. <laughs> exactly. Yes, that's the way to go. Okay, well, I'm going to have to try that. I never had that. I'll have to make the truck up to... Glenview area. Yeah, absolutely. You gotta do it. Well, I hope y'all enjoyed that conversation with Jordan. I'm just so encouraged by her wisdom at such a young age and super excited for her for everything in her future. But make sure to check out her song. It's called Innocence and it's out on Spotify. And she also has a podcast with her best friend who she had talked about, Taylor, called Plans to Prosper. And it's all about Christian teenagers and secular America. But I'll make sure to link all of the notes all of that in the notes for y'all to check out. But as for me, I'm still here in Texas writing out the season. Work just told us that our first go back to office date was August 1st. So I'll be here in the Texas sun for a while. So I can't really complain, but I hope y'all are doing well and staying safe and sane and continuing to wash your hands. And that's it for this episode of Slice Up Your Life. Love y'all. <laughs>